Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Learning Development Project Podcast. Before we start today, a bit of housekeeping. This episode is slightly different from our previous conversations in that it's very hands-on. In the first 15 minutes, you will hear a lot of scratchy sounds, moving around the room, leafing through pages, tapping on a whiteboard and pointing to things. And our guest's voice will be coming from various directions as he demonstrates how to use text scrolling in reading instruction. There is something intriguing in imagining what's going on while being deprived of any visual cues. So we decided to leave this part of the recording in this audio episode. But we will also post the video format of Dave's demonstration to learn higher resources. And we will link to it in our podcast notes so you can actually see this text scrolling in action. We really hope you enjoy it and take away from it a renewed confidence in applying this very valuable reading technique to your teaching practice and even perhaps your reading and writing as well. So thank you again for listening. And now, without further ado, let's begin. Welcome to the Learning Development Project podcast. The goal of this show is to foster conversations around learning development as a field of academic practice. To this end, we talk to people who have published in this area and contributed to making LD what it is. Every episode is filled with ideas that inform our practice and make our work with learners meaningful. We are your hosts, Karina Buckley and Alicia Siska. And today the LD Project podcast is going global. We're really excited to welcome Dave Middlebrook, who pioneered the technique of text mapping and the use of scrolls as a way of liberating texts from the confines of the book format. Dave is based in the United States and has been collaborating in classrooms and with educators since 1994. Text mapping was born out of his own experiences with specific learning disabilities and his desire to help others access and enter into dialogue with the texts they encounter. These ideas form the heart of the paper that will begin our discussion today, unrolling the text using scrolls to facilitate academic reading. And this was published in the Journal of Learning Development in Higher Education in 2019. So thank you very much, Dave, for joining us today. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Before we start, is there anything else you'd like to share about yourself, maybe, what you do or have done that has shaped your thinking and writing that our listeners should know? I, I think you kind of covered it, and, and I, I was thinking about either doing the, the, de- the demo now of how this works, or we could talk a little bit and then do the demo. I think maybe we could start uh, with you explaining to our listeners how text scrolling works and how all this text mapping originated, uh, uh, what gave rise to all these ideas. That sounds good. And just to the audience, I know we're having some technical challenges this morning, probably our problem, not the technology, but you know, and uh, so if you see them waving their hands at the screen, that's their signal to me to hit the unmute button. And uh, that seems to be working for us. So I'm going <clears> to <throat> start my demo here. Um, this is what you probably print out. And you find yourself going, there you go, one page at a time, you know. And it's, it's difficult to read this from my point of view and many of your students. And I should say that really, I'm just like one of your students fast forwarded another 30 years or something. So. 
think of it that way and you'll realize the potential benefit here. And here's an improvement. Here's in essence, kind of like a magazine mm -hmm. format, bound book format, okay? But you can only see two pages at a time. That's all you're ever gonna see. And if you literally comprehend to grasp the whole, how do you do it with two pages at a time? And this is the undiscovered question before my work is, is how, how do you do this? And how do you communicate to your students what you need to do to understand this text? All right. And uh, I was in law school. I was I made an attempt at law school at one point. And I was working on an assignment early on in my in my very short career there. And uh, I was totally frustrated. It was just six pages I had to digest and I couldn't make any sense of it. Finally, out of total frustration. I threw the textbook up on my, onto my cot machine or I put it, I placed it there gently and I hit the print button and I printed out two copies. So I would have all face up and I laid them out in scroll form and I taped them all together. And what I got was essentially this. This is not the, the piece that I did before. This is the article that I did with Tom, Sandra, and, and Sandra Sinfield, Sandra Begland, and Tom Burns. And I, I'm eternally grateful for them to uh, inviting me to partner with them on this because it's been terribly hard to get published otherwise. So this is the piece. And now you can see the whole. You can walk across it, which you can't do in a book. All you can do is sit. Here, it's, it's very physical, very multi-sensory. It's a great way to see that, that here's the beginning and here's the end. And that's pretty much what there is, mm -hmm. as opposed to paging through incessantly or even more favorably to paper, but still paging through it. And you don't really have an idea where you are unless you have, if you have learning disabilities like memory problems like mine, as soon as I turn the page, it's all gone. I have no recollection. Um, it's very difficult to assemble any kind of understanding of a text. It's not a problem with fiction because nobody cares, but, uh, you know, unless you're studying it. But, um, so anyway, I created this scroll out of the paper that we got, and I thought I would show you quickly how I treat it. And you can start anywhere you want here. It's a scroll. And I draw a box around this. This is my way of saying this is an entire document. And you'll notice I don't care too much about whether the lines are straight. I don't use rulers. And I think, can you see that? I, you can see that I drew the line. Can you see the line in the camera? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I've got, I've got the boldest uh, markers I can use, unfortunately. And there's another piece up here, which actually belongs, it starts on page eight and ends on page 12. And that's over here. So what I did was I took the references, in essence, the back matter of the text, and I moved it up here. Well, the brown is not happy with me, so I use brown too much. There we go. 
orange. Don't mind orange so much. So this whole piece here fits down in this article. But actually, I see my stuff cited right here. And it goes up here. So those are all my texts that are cited mm -hmm. that will be used in this article, OK? And if I were working on this, it'd be helpful to know how this connects to this, like scrolls versus conventional academic text format. That's, a, that's part of the article that I, I was largely responsible for. Not a lot, but these feed into that. And they also feed in elsewhere. Um, but you can also, let's see here, I got that done. This is the front matter here. And the article really begins here with the introduction. So I can do this and say, there's the heading, there's a heading, there's a heading, there's one there, a longer section. Look at that, it was all short stuff, and here's a longer section here. All right, talking about the PG search class at, at uh, London Met and conclusion. And you see that there's a conclusion and there's an introduction. Not all texts are structured that way, but academic texts are for sure. And um, everything in between there is really the main information. And this is kind of a summary of what you're going to hit. And this is a summary of what you did hit and what we think about it. You can go, well, let's see if there's anything else I could do. Yeah, the back matter here is actually divided into two sections. The first section starts here with references. Which is all the way over here to all of the details. And this one's running out too. Put that down. Okay, and the last, the, the last piece of this is author details. It's right here. Now, I bet you if your students were reading this article, they would pass their eyes over this. They wouldn't be able to understand how it was important. And, but this way, with the scroll, you can, because as you work, you can look at the cited, the, the cited works, and you can see how they relate. And you can ask questions, and, and you can answer your questions. And you have a dialogue with other people about this. So, and the author details, they might just skip that. But it's here, kind of nagging you while you have a scroll. It's just tapping you on the shoulder incessantly and saying, did you pay attention to that? Did you pay attention to this section here? This is a, a long section, you know? It's the longest section of the piece. Maybe it's got a lot more to say. Certainly it's important, our PG cert, how we unroll the text. So this is where they implemented it. And uh, well, you could just, you could go on and on in this. Oh, I know, I haven't showed you. I like to draw boxes around things, which is why it's called text mapping. It is not highlighting, which is like, you know, 
you're, you're, you're pulling stuff in the text and in essence, you could highlight these things. But I'm drawing boxes around stuff and it's not because I'm crazy. It's the, the idea is as you work with your hands, you are forming a sensory memory, a feeling of the structure of this text. Now it looks pretty messy. Hope you can see it. If you don't trust me, it looks very messy. But this is a thought process. This is not, we're not producing a finished thing for item to be shared and oohed and ah over. This is your thinking. So it can be as messy as it needs to be. Translation, don't spend a lot of time trying to make it look pretty. Do what you have to do to understand what's in there. But this is the longer section. And then their analysis, what the lecture did, the case study within. And then in conclusion. Okay, so we have one, two, three, four, five, and then a little coda here. I'll talk about in a minute, six sections. This is very helpful. And when a student like me opens a text like that, I have no idea how many pages I'm going to suffer through. I mean, it's painful. It's really difficult. So it is important to know how much is ahead of me. Here, I know. And I'm not forced. I can jump anywhere in the text. I can move back and forth continuously and talk about it and, and share my thoughts with other people. And it's very helpful. That's really, it's all but impossible to do in this format. Mm -hmm. You're just blocked. Every page, every, every two page, two pages is separated from all the others by at least one turn. So it's very, for, for me, it's very difficult. For a lot of people, it's very difficult. I think you'd be surprised how many of your students will see this. And certainly, you might too, but, and, and um, I think that this is probably a good place to look at what uh, Tom and Tom and Sandra and Sandra wrote. In conclusion, they said, typically our non-traditional undergraduate students, by non-traditional, they're talking about students who have home, they're a little older and they have home commitments, all kinds of stuff to deal with. So typically, I'm going to put this over here. I'm a little off camera. There you go. So typically, and this is the takeaway, I think, our non-traditional undergraduate students feel excluded and are positioned as excluded by the university's habitus and particularly by the power and discourse of academic reading. And I would put at the head of that is the book, because that controls every interaction with that text inside, everyone, as the scroll does. We found that when using the bound, the, the bound text, the codex, unbound, as in taking apart and assemble as a scroll, our staff and their students experienced an embodied way, very physical, it's embodied, that academic reading could be dialogic. It's opening the possibilities for all this, cooperative and discursive. You can wander around freely and not waste a lot of time. Unrolled text scrolls offer a powerful learning experience de facto position, by de facto positioning 
readers uh, readers differently towards a text. So that's the takeaway of it. And that's my short demo. I must tell you, it goes way deeper than this. It's, and you're probably still somewhat disconnected because of the difficulty of taking the, these colors and stuff and moving them across camera. I'm still working on that. But um, this is a very powerful way to work with text. And you will find if you do this, the same thing that, that Tom and the two Sandras found which was that there was an awful lot of um, conversation and uh, thought going on and serious processing of the text. They didn't just sit there and kind of fall asleep as they turned the pages. They were moving about and thinking all the time. So it's a, it's a powerful format to use. And I, I think it should be used for certainly at all levels. I've, I've worked with preschoolers in the United States and they've had conversations about picture books like where the wild things are that kind of thing you know hats for sale and um, they've had conversations that a second grade teacher would would just kill to get <laughs> and I've had conversations with three-year-olds that are just stunning and they just dive right in and they know what to do and this it's, this is the power of the scroll this is great. It's really good to see you in action because it, it really shows how much of a kinetic exercise it is, right? It's not just a linguistic engagement with the book. It's not just a kind of semantic activity, but it has to do with drawings, scribbling, walking around, engaging physically and tactile tactily with with a text and and that changes the experience of that text because that text becomes a space right in fact i think one of the the most um compelling things that i read in in that article was this line where you talk about text scrolling creating powerful learning spaces. So it's not just about reading, but it's actually about creating a learning space. Um, would, would you say something about that? Yeah, it's, 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 it's the area all around. I mean, if you put it on a table, the interactions are gonna be a certain way. If they're on a, on a wall like this, on a whiteboard, another way. Um, and they, people can choose, but you know, there's in every case, I mean, like for the table, for example, uh, you can do a lot of mapping. Once you get good with this, you can do it upside down, as in you don't need to be oriented to the text, you know, just in front of you like this. You can actually come in from the top of it and, and work, and students do. So you'll see them working as a group on a text, and some are coming in from, from the top edge of the paper and from the bottom edge of the paper, and, and the bottom edges are the ones you see it the right way up, so to speak, to read it more. The top edgers are the ones who see it more in terms of its graphic, the graphic signaling that's going on with headings and subheadings and illustrations and sidebars and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff, footnotes, you know, and uh, they'll typically go through and mark these things. And that helps them by everything that they mark is a statement. I've seen this and I'm going to want to deal with it. And if they don't mark something, you as a teacher can say, oh, that's interesting. Is that important or she just put an X right through it? You know, sometimes they say, just put an X right through it. I don't know why that's there. 
okay, that's fine. And maybe you come back and reevaluate that later, but you know, it's okay to start with that. Certainly you, if you're learning disabled students, if you have the expectation that they're gonna read every word of every text you give them, you know they won't. And by the time they hit graduate school, regardless, you know they won't. They'll have to start gutting books very proficiently, which is something that uh, I don't, I, I can't understand how people do that without any peer instruction on that, you know? Um, and the scroll, I think, helps with, helps people understand the strategies for gutting a book, you know, for taking it apart, deciding what its main points are and where the main details are. Yeah. Is that a, a term you're familiar with, gutting a book? It's not one I came across. <laughs> well, you can definitely look that up. I mean, it's, 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 it is a, it's terminology that's used in the U.S. at least. And, and expected that you know graduate students are expected not to read their books page to page. They're they're expected to go in and read as little as possible, and still understand it, which is quite a challenge. And sometimes actually it's inevitable, right? Because actually I I went to a grad school in America as well, so I know what the reading load is for <laughs> for every week of classes. So it's impossible to do all these readings with full understanding and with every detail and, and read every line. But you have to be very smart about how you approach these readings. You do. And just to understand in the first place that this is um, a set of requirements that you need to learn about mm. and that you need to understand how to engage in a text in a way that will help you get through it really quickly. And ultimately, uh, you know, I suppose, you know, if the word, if the work is available only in codex form, that's what you got to do. But the scroll can, can do a lot to help uh, people get there. I think one thing that strikes me um, while you were doing the demonstration was the emotionality of reading uh, that this really addresses. Because, I mean, you, you've already used words like suffer. You've suffered through the reading. But there's also that kind of clenching feeling you get around your heart. I mean, I've got it at the moment because I know I've got to review a journal article for a journal and I haven't done it yet because I've printed it off and I've stapled it and it's quite thick and I'm thinking oh. but it's that dauntingness but with this it's like you're facing your fears everything's out in the open nothing's hidden and you're able to just confront everything all in one go and I think that's I mean that's a very powerful thing as well on its own for in terms of feeling okay about the task that you've got ahead of you I definitely agree that's Definitely true. And, and, you know, hopefully maybe you'll try uh, turning the, your, your stack of stable pages into a scroll and invite some of your colleagues or students to help you out to burrow down and, and figure out what this, what the sections are, the pieces mm -hmm. of uh, what the main argument is and what the pieces are that, that, go, you know, that go towards that, that kind of thing. And maybe you'll have a lot more fun too. <laughs> Because it is fun just, you know, working on a scroll with somebody. It, it's, it's very cool. So, I wonder if you ever, if you or people you have heard who have been applying the technique have been ever met with any resistance from students in terms of engaging with that. Because sometimes, you know, I give my students markers and, you know, colorful pens and all these <laughs> tools of fun learning in air quotes. Uh, and and they sometimes, you know, feel a little bit apprehensive about this uh, and kind of comment that, you know, this is not 
primary school or this is childish or so how do you and and i know that it's really really crucial as you mentioned for um for this technique to work well to fully engage and to you know, to to keep marking to keep um writing annotating scribbling you know and not just assume that oh yeah i can see it all and therefore that's enough you just you really have to be actively involved and um, so I, I just wonder, do you ever experience that kind of resistance? And if so, how do you deal with it? I think, yes, I have experienced that resistance, but it's mostly in the college university level, because at that point, they're more self-conscious about the whole thing. Most of my work, I mean, I started with middle school and then I worked down towards preschool because I just thought, of course, picture books, you know, middle school because of textbooks. Um, and as I moved up into high school, um, they really got into it and they weren't actually far enough away to, I guess, in my experience, at least to think that uh, this was not appropriate for them. But in college, it's a little tougher. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we're all the same, I, I think, in, in, in terms of our, we're all just kids. We keep going along and, 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 you know, once you get them, you break that boundary, you just say, start moving around, just start marking things. If you look at something, mark it. If you're looking at something and not marking it, go back and mark it, fix it. <laughs> you know? um, and I, I, the only problem I've had beyond just the self-consciousness, which has not been too bad, it's pretty easy to, to, to break, you know. The, but the hard part is that not everybody responds well to lots of colors. And my solution to that is drawing pencils. It's real simple. I use, you know, I have a, you know, Color, color pencils, I have a whole box of them and I use them all the time, nice greens and purples and stuff, but they're, they're more, they're not as noisy and loud mm -hmm. as the markers. They're mm -hmm. easier to use. And for kids who are really just, if they just feel like using black to do everything, I'm good with that. You know, that's fine. The, the, the point is to, to find the tools that work for you. But I can tell you for, for most people, marking is, just something that they do it's just it's really easy um, and of course then like most of my time was spent like I said really like middle school and down below and when I started moving up I found they translated pretty well until I hit college and there you have it um that wasn't too bad you know I kind of you know I kind of wondered about that before I started with them but yeah it's um it's really easy to get involved. I mean, once once conversations start, uh, the ones who resist don't resist too much anymore. You know, if you give them the response, if you give them the permission. Yeah, and I suppose there's also that kind of power attached to the red pencil, the red marker, the red pen, uh, that is uh, kind of traditionally associated with, uh, obviously, with the power of the teacher. And I suppose um, you mentioned that that uh, takes. Um, uh, scrolling is is a way of breaking through all of these power relations that are involved in classic texts, right? So in the bound text, that the bound text has these power relations, and I suppose there's it's quite an interesting play here of the the power within the text, and then the power of the red pen, or the power to even you know comment, because not everyone feels like they are in the position to comment, to annotate a text, because obviously you can, it's easier to extract maybe the essence of it as a, as an annotation. But if you're supposed to 
critically engage with it, that's a much more, um, that's a kind of activity not everyone feels they have the right to, right? And we're trying to get our students to engage and to feel like they do have the right to, uh, to, to make that evaluation, to make that assessment of a text. But uh, it seems to me that this kind of technique is more of an encouragement. It, it gives, gives them that right a little bit more um, kind of uh, clearly and, and it's implied in, in the activity itself. It's very liberating. Um, I, I definitely, as, as you picked out, I, I feel it very intensely whenever I, and I've been doing this for like 30 years and been doing this since 1990. And, um, I always feel elated and just, you know, I, I just have so much fun walking up and down the scroll that, uh, it's such a release. And, and this is after many years, I still feel it's great. I love to, uh, the only thing I don't like is taking the time to make the scroll. But, you know, in a classroom, you have a lot of free labor there. You know, they can put together a bunch of scrolls and then they can work together on them. They don't each need to have their own scroll. In fact, that's kind of isolating. You know, it's more fun to have three or four is a good number. You know, um, also, also, I should mention, mention that uh, long text, you don't shy away from doing that either. But you can, for example, break down your scroll by chapters. So there are a lot of things you can do to to make it more friendly so to speak um when alicia was asking about power it made me think um maybe there's an element of subversion there as well um that maybe it's it's a double-edged thing so some people might resist it because it feels oh no it's a book we can't write on the book but then there's that joy that comes from subverting the rules of what you can do with books and we don't do these sorts of things with books. Books are there to impart information. You don't engage with them in this physical way. So I imagine that is quite a powerful uh, motivator for some students to really get involved in mapping. mapping. Oh. Yeah. And I was going to say that, that actually that is a, a play. Teachers, that's where um, occasionally I'll run into a teacher who says, this is, you know, you just can't do this, you know, because they have to learn how to read from a book, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's something wrong about tearing a, a book apart, you know, literally. And, and um, I remember interviewing one teacher in particular from uh, Georgia, I think, where uh, she said that she just ripped the, she literally ripped the books apart. She did not bother you getting a, like a, a nice, like I get an exacto knife and I, you know, I, I'm very careful about this because I just, you know, I, I love making beautiful scrolls, not just, you know, jamming stuff together. But she was just like, rip the thing apart. <laughs> And she said it was just so cool and the kids loved it. And they were just, you know, then, you know, if, if the paper ripped across the sheet, uh, across the page, they would just tape it, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, so people are all, people are all different. I've had a uh, very little resistance uh, from teachers either from using this, but I, except for, I think that they, they're kind of worried about how you make that many scrolls. And I said, well, you know, make a scroll and find another teacher to make a different scroll and then share your scrolls, you know, move them back and forth in the classroom where, wherever they need it. And you get your kids to build, make them. Have you um, had an opportunity or been able to formally evaluate this approach at all? I mean, obviously you've got uh, 30 years of experience of hands-on evaluation as it were, but is there, um, is there any kind of 
way of evaluating how effective or that somebody else might want to try with their their own students yeah there there is and in the code that's in the article that's there's mention that you know i asked how it put in there I, i'm i've had it's been a devilishly difficult to put together uh to put together any research i i've i've had researchers somewhat involved but then other things happen uh mostly just the usual things family life whatever job job changes or whatever but it's been uh, really tough to to get a study together um yeah various times i mean i got a phone call from someone in the bush administration years ago said they were looking to give grants uh but as soon as they found out i wasn't an academic they said well can you find somebody i said well i've been trying I <laughs> and i even though there was a possibility of of, of uh, financial support i couldn't get anybody to to go for it it's been it's been difficult so i am actively looking for help in this area and and for obviously the in the uk at the college level at the higher ed, higher ed level you guys have uh, started to find some interest there i would love to work with you or whoever you know who's using scrolls to try to evaluate them mm -hmm. maybe get a grant or something well, I think this is an open call to our listeners to <laughs> get involved. Feel free to drop us a line if you want us to pass on your details and we, we can do that. Because it seems like a really useful technique for learning developers who often work with students on their reading techniques, on reading strategies, note making, etc. So it's a, it's a host of skills that can be developed around uh, around reading that can uh, use this technique in a very productive way. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I, you know, so much, you can get so much done when you jump from the book to the scroll. At, at once you realize that, and it shouldn't take too long to realize just how much more, how much richer the experience is and how much more you can get done, then that makes all these other things that you need to teach students that they don't know about, all these strategies, just ways of thinking, kinds of questions you can ask all that makes that all much more uh much more easy to see and understand one thing i wonder about is what's next then how do you want to continue to work with this uh technique is there anything you're planning around it in terms of developing it further or do you have uh, other kind of uh, potential avenues of developing your your ideas about teaching what what is it that where, what's next for text scrolling well i i think that um i've had difficulty in part uh getting uh getting partners because my site was it's like 30 years old you know quite literally um and i i'm working on re recoding the whole thing now and i think that will be helpful because uh it'll help the spread a lot better yeah. I mean, there's quite a few, you'll, you know, if you go in places like Twitter, social media, um, there are places, mainly Twitter, some with Facebook, where teachers raise discussions, and I, I thought that was really good to see. But, um, yeah, I need to, I, my, for my next, my next trick, so to speak, is to uh, fix the website, update it so it, it uh, renders well on cell phones, too, because that's where a lot of people want to be. Well, give the pun, but this is perfect for scrolling. <laughs> oh, very good. 
Yeah, I have little cell phones. It's just, you know, crazy. But yeah, I'll be, you know, it's thumbing, right? The thumb thing, you know? Yeah. But that's my, that's my next, my next big, uh, I'm, I'm in deeply into it right now. And you can kind of see, I mean, I have this, this studio I started building. So I, I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to do much more online stuff. Uh, I would like to talk and talk to you folks about that and also at the people at London Metropolitan and see if I can get any interest in um, in using this technology and, and, and doing workshops where I'm here in the States reaching out and doing a workshop with Tom and Sandra. And, and um, I think that would be very cool to, to do. So I'm hoping for that kind of thing, but I, I need to build the thing first so that it can be seen and and tried out and understood so that's kind of where we're at and you can see all these mute and unmute issues and stuff are those are the little pieces we all have to learn how to deal with but but, but there seems to be no way going back because <laughs> um, our our society and the way we learn and teach seems to be changing and one in one direction really but i was wondering about because you you've mentioned multiple times your collaborators within learning development here in the united kingdom and uh so so you've been you've been working closely with uh, our community, learn, the learning development community. I wonder how you see it as an outsider, um, uh, outsider insider in a way uh, to that community. What is the kind of, or do you see yourself as a learning developer as well? Uh, how, how do you relate to, um, to that field, if you may? Well, I, first of all, I've been really amazed at, at how open the community has been. And I'm, and I really appreciate that. And I would like to build on that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't have a, a master's or a PhD. Um, not likely I'd be able to get through the program. And I'm a little old for that at this point. So I, I've got to put my energy where I want, where I, I can be the best. But um, I love to collaborate. And I would like to collaborate with, with people and, and, you know, working in this kind of environment you know, flying over the UK, for example, is nice for certain things. Certainly, there's a lot of value to one-on-one -on -one or, you know, personal, to personal, face-to-face -face, uh, workshops, and that's where I love to do that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, you talked about the world changing, teaching changing. All this stuff is is, is uh, the, the being able to work on Zoom, for example, is is a really cool thing. We just have to figure out how to use it. Um, uh, people had to figure out how to use books back when they first started, you know, ripping scrolls apart to make books. <laughs> <laughs> the irony of that, huh? I, I think, you know, I, I see myself mainly as a collaborator and um, I can bring a lot of value that way. And, and I, ha I have done, I've succeeded to a point in the States and I would love to work with, uh, with people in the UK, especially in higher education, because that's where you all are right now. Well, so this is all about reading. Um, but what is your relationship then to writing? Uh, we wonder, because we talk a lot about writing. We um, uh, like to encourage people to write. How do you see yourself as a writer and what's your relationship with writing? Well, first of all, scrolls are great to use for writing, for student writing. They can, they can scroll their own works. They can scroll the works of, the, of their, of their uh, uh, colleagues, of their you know, fellow students and can just as 
you do when you're doing publishing research, you can work together and collaborate and build on that. The scrolls make collaborative writing a very, uh, a very easy thing to do. And I think that's really healthy. Um, my own experience with writing, I, uh, you know, I mentioned, you mentioned the learning disabilities and stuff. I also I have dysgraphia is one of the things which means, you know, basically a problem with handwriting. It's pretty serious. It's very painful when I write, has always been. It's worse now as I've aged. But uh, yeah, I, have a, I had a terrible uh, uh, connection with writing until I was in middle school and my mom suggested I take typing course over the over the summer and that was just that was liberating i could use a typewriter so i've been, I've been using keyboards for you know ever since middle school basically or since like seventh grade and um you know that that really helped but um yeah writing has also been difficult because of memory issues that kind of thing um again working with the scrolls really helps with all that for me um I try to scroll my work as often as possible when I'm writing, which is kind of a hassle because as I get a long text, it gets to be, you know, you get, you know, a hundred pages or something, you can take up a lot of space and time. But every time I do it, uh, I'm really glad that I did that. Mm -hmm. uh, just the feel of the work that I'm, the things that I'm writing are much better. I'm, it's much clearer where I went off the, you know, went off the pathway yeah. and I can yeah. decide whether to reuse that stuff later elsewhere or whether I just don't want to see the light of day ever. <laughs> I can imagine this would be a really, um, the scrolling would be a really useful technique for even just outlining uh, a paper, uh, just to be able to have the headings on separate sheets spread out so you can see exactly what shape you want your paper to take. You can fill in the blanks with the, sub, the section headings and bullet points you want to include. I can see it working from both ends of the um, process, actually. Um, and again, it's just laying it all out in front of you. So there's no nasty surprises around the corner. You can just see the bigger picture by doing that, yeah, because you have the the, the, the map, <laughs> I mean, you use the, the, the concept of mapping and mapping as a, as a way of engaging with the text, but also mapping as a way of seeing the world that you have created through writing. Yeah, and, and, and when your work is going to be looked at critically, it's much easier if you scroll it and you're talking with that person, because then you, you're both on literally on the same scroll, the same, which is better than the same page, you're literally on the same scroll. And so uh, everybody can think about what they're looking at. Uh, they can change their thinking much more easily. Um, they can go back and forth and say, well, I didn't really think about this section before, but now that I see it in the scroll, it's more, it's more useful. Maybe we have to work to, uh, to create some signals in, in, in the book version so that it's easier for, writer, for readers to find their way to that, to that section or something. You know, it's just, uh, it's, I, I think, I, I think that as many uses there as there are for reading, they're, equal, as, they're equally as many for writing. Um, and it just, you know, it takes a lot of the pressure off, helps people in, invite help in, and it helps people to feel comfortable helping other people, others whose writing they're looking at, you know, it makes teaching easier, I, I think. Uh, but again, you know, this would be really good. In this article, uh, they talk about PG cert and 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 how the scrolls were helpful 
and you know what the what was observed. You know, I think we get more of that kind of uh, that kind of uh, work, and then create a, a, a more formal study. We'll find that there are a lot of areas where scrolls can be useful in terms of uh, subject area writing. You know, in in very in various parts of you know the curriculum at the university level for sure. So you use scrolling for writing or to help you with that process of writing. Do you have any other techniques that you could share with our listeners? Uh, maybe that help you to break through some writer's block or just get you to to keep writing. I it's the scroll for me is it i mean i um it's not that like i haven't tried thinking about other things but usually it, it all comes down to just interacting with the scroll and sometimes different ways like uh in this piece here when i i took i i took the tape i, I took the uh uh the the references and the author details out um you can you can do the same kind of thing with your writing. You can test to see if pull it out. Does it belong there? Or does it belong someplace else? And 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 how do I distinguish it and say this is important here? And then you got to put it back into the text stream, into the book space where where you had it before. Do you plug it in there? Or do you plug it in some other place? Yeah, that's the kind of you know. Really, the short answer to your, to your question is I haven't really found anything that isn't doesn't really come out of and tie back to the scroll. The scroll has been for me the all all important thing. I think it's a very powerful. And when you think about it, the book is the same way for our culture. It's very powerful, and we're very reluctant to to leave it for that reason. But uh, a lot of the ways that we think about reading and writing are shaped by that codex, that ancient Roman codex. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's not that odd actually that that I'm pretty much always. Thinking about thinking within the confines. I, I thought outside the box to get to the scroll, but then I've been back in the box ever since. <laughs> and enjoying it. It's fun to explore that space and and and, and work within it. Yeah. Well, it, it's been absolutely fascinating hearing about this in more detail. And and I think what I've what I've been most engaged with is the whole person involved in the text. It's not just a reader, a passive reader. It's an active human engagement with a text. And um, I, I love it. I mean, I'm a convert. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm going to try this myself because um, it, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, I think it's great. So we really, really appreciate you coming along today and, and showing us this and, and talking about it. And I hope it will inspire plenty of other people as well. Yeah, because it's a great way of kind of taming a text, right? Mm -hmm. right? Something intimidating, something that works as a set of words that don't always make sense or sometimes uh, are difficult to digest. And you have to come back and forth, back and forth between certain sections. But when you see it as a, as a whole, I suppose it gives you a sense that you have tamed it, that you have... Uh, made friends with it or it's it's become kind of part of your um your knowledge and your being with with the text so it, it it's yeah it's, it's it's interesting how this kind of material nature of of engagement with that text moves it outside of just the thought processes but kind of becomes part of you in a way i don't know if i'm pushing it too far but it kind of feels like it <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's, I mean, the basic, basic idea behind all that is that the text, I, I think that the scroll is very welcoming in a way that the book is not. The book was not designed for readers to scroll. Well, the scroll wasn't designed for readers either, but it was, you know, it was around for 3000 years before the mm -hmm. codex arose. And uh, people back then thought that the people who used codices were crazy. You know, they had no interest in that. That was a, a terrible book form. Um, but, you know, I mean, you can, you can make an argument that, that, uh, that the only reason we read from codex, codices today rather than scrolls is that the, the early Christians liked, preferred, they preferred the, uh, the codex uh, form because it, it was good for publishing letters which was a lot of what they published. And um, they also didn't like the scroll because that was the home of pagan literature. And so they wanted to distinguish them. They wanted to distinguish their writing. It wasn't that they didn't like it. I mean, if it weren't for the uh, monasteries and the Christian monks and it for Christianity, we probably wouldn't have a, a lot of the uh, books that have survived. I mean, the, the scrolls by that time were rotting and uh, and that was like the Google Books project of his time, you know, monks and other people just, you know, all over the place copying as fast as they could. And they did. But, um, you know, uh, this the book which was designed as a storage medium, basically, the codex it was based on the Roman tablet. It was not a reading or it was not, you know, certainly not a, a, a technology for reading. The scroll is much more welcoming to text and to readers than the codex was. Well, I feel like even though we kind of covered a lot of bases in this conversation, there's still a lot out there and a lot into the technique that we didn't. But I wonder um, before uh, we finish, if there's anything that you, know, you wished we had asked you about and we didn't go in that direction or anything around the text scrolling or anything that you've created that would be really good to still share. There, I think this is a good start, but I'm just going to walk you over to this last, uh, last, this last piece, the coda. It says Dave Middlebrook is one of our co-authors and ex and has experimented extensively with scrolls, and he is interested in further projects with academic staff to explore the potential of scrolls in university learning and reading. Please check his website for further details: www.textmapping.org. Uh, please be kind and understand a, a nice nifty new site will be coming along as I'm coding it uh, right now, but um, it's an old website, but you can get started with it and uh, uh, please reach out to me, uh, dmiddlebrook at textmapping.org. If you can find that all over my, my website, my, that's my email address and I'm looking to co uh, collaborate as, with many, as many people as possible especially in AG in, in the UK would be great. So thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. This is perfect. I think a perfect ending. <laughs> so yeah, we just can only kind of reinforce that call uh, to the community. Uh, there's lots to be done. There's lots to achieve and to gain from, from doing it. So uh, please get in touch. And thank you, Dave, for coming. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care.